Awesome. Wow, wow, wow. Well, I'll say this. If you were not here Friday night, I'm not sure if they videoed that, but it was such a joy and such an honor to be here with you guys celebrating what God has done through your pastor, Pastor Chris and his lovely wife, Michelle. And I'm going to tell you, uh, I was crying and laughing. Uh, it was just so wonderful. And, and I just want to say to you, Chris, as well, uh, you've been a big brother to me. And I, and I mean that. I want to thank you. You've encouraged me. Uh, you've encouraged me with my kids. You've encouraged me to stay the course. You've encouraged me. I, I said this Friday night. And he said, how many of you know pastor's got a gift of encouragement and exhortation? Big time. <laughs> Listen, so, so he'll call me. And he says, man of God, I was praying for you in my prayer journal today. 10,000. I see 10,000 at Church of the King. And boom, he just hangs up. That's called a drive-by encouragement. How many know what I'm talking about? And I, I just want to thank you. We, we love you. We believe you in you and what God's doing. And let me just say this. You guys need to hear this, all right? We study you guys. We watch you as a church. Faith promise. We watch you. Our church is called Church of the King. Our youth team was down here learning how to do youth ministry from you guys last year. And so you need to know this. And I know this is your church and you probably don't hear much of this outside of this, these campuses, but you guys are inspiring churches all over America under the leadership of this couple. How many of y'all are grateful for Pastor Chris and Michelle? And I mean that. I mean that. So awesome, awesome, awesome. Today, I, I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you about you. I want to talk to you about what God places in the heart of a man or a woman. See, here, here's what I know. God, God is into process. God is into, listen, God is into this thing called a journey. It's interesting. I, I was having a conversation with one person one time, and here's what they said. Listen to me closely. They said, I cannot wait till I am a mature Christian. And I said, well, really, that's not a biblical concept. I believe the concept is a maturing Christian. How many know we're not finished till we see Jesus face to face? Isn't that right? And the reality is, is that God has each one of us on a process, on a journey. The, the scripture says we go from faith to faith. We grow from glory to glory. We grow from strength to Strength. Every single one of us, we're on a journey with God. We're walking with God. We're endeavoring to hear from God. And we're carrying out the dream of God that God has placed in our heart. I never forget one time reading this in the Gospel of Luke. It was so powerful. I know you guys are taught the Word and deep Bible teaching. And, and, and I want to give you one theological term today, and it's called the hypostatic union. In Luke 2.52, I want you to see this. This is so powerful. And this is about Jesus. Now, I want you to think about this. We believe Scripture teaches, all right, that Jesus was 100% God, but also 100% man. That's called the hypostatic union. But watch this. The Bible says, and Jesus, all right, when he was on the earth, walking on the earth, and Jesus, what's this next word? Can you say it with me? Increase. Now think about that. If Jesus of Nazareth had to grow and increase, and yet without sin, how much more do we? He increased in three ways. Number one, in wisdom. Jesus increased in wisdom. Well, Pastor, I just feel like, you know, I'm just kind of there. Not, what, what, time out. <laughs> Jesus increased in wisdom, in his humanity. Number two, in stature. He wasn't placed on this earth as a full-grown man like Adam was. 
He was born in a manger in Bethlehem and grew up and, and, and so physiologically, but he also grew in favor with God and man. And I saw that pastor. I thought to myself, if Jesus of Nazareth has to grow and grew when he was on the earth, how much more do we? How much more do we have to grow into all that God has for our life? I tell our churches all the time, listen to me, this is very important. God does not expect perfection in our lives, but he does require progress. Somebody said, well, God loves me where he found me. You're right. He loves you so much to not leave you where he found you as well. But you're growing in God. I tell our churches, we are all, come on, 70s generation, in a crock pot on low. My mom was a teacher. She put everything in a crock pot. I'm serious. She put a roast in the morning and it cooked all day. She washed clothes in a crock pot. I mean, just anything that could fit in there, which is all happening right there, baby. Right, right, right there. And yet there, there is a moment, there's a moment when we give our hearts to Christ, where we begin the Christian life. Again, physiologically, I was born December 3rd, 1968, all right? I'm 47 years old. I don't look at be honest. <laughs> One time this lady, I, I shake hands with people, this lady came up to me, she got real close to me, and I would have been nervous, but she's a lot older than me. And so she, I just, and she, got, she goes, preacher, she got, she got real close, she goes, preacher, <clears throat> you, 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 you do look a lot older up close, you got crow feet, I see. I went, God bless you, ma'am. Thank you for that encouragement. I feel better about myself today. God bless you. <laughs> I was born December 3rd, 1980, uh, 1968, physiologically. But I was born again. I came alive spiritually October 26, 1987. The Bible says when you're in Christ, you're a new creation. So, so you have a moment when you give your heart to Christ. In that moment, you begin the journey of walking with God. I grew up in a house in South Louisiana where we went to church as a kid, and I, I respect all churches that preach Christ, and, but we did go to a church that you got extra credit for not moving around. And if you did move around, your mom looked at you, not with a Christian eye, but with an evil eye. And it's, you know, y'all say this in Tennessee, we do in South Louisiana, you're figuring to, to get something, you're figuring to get a whooping. Matter of fact, one time I was moving, she told me this, my mom said, if you don't stop, you're about to see Jesus. She grabbed my hair too. But anyway, so I, and so we grew up in a church, real solemn, real liturgical, and it's all cool. And then one day she came up, she goes, listen, we're going to a new church. I said, a new church. I'm 12 at the time, 1980. My, my brother is 14. We go to this new church. We walk in. They got drums, guitars, people singing, raving hands like they're, you know, landing an airplane and an air. I'm serious. I never, I didn't even know that was legal in church, just to be honest. Is this like, is this like okay? I didn't ever see it. And then the preacher, the preacher, like in our old church, the brother would just stand there and like just not move around. But in this church, he would get off the stage and like walk towards people. I never forget one time my brother said, he's coming to get you, you know, because <laughs> you know, he's my brother. We're terrible kids, you know. And then I found out about this thing. I found out about this thing. Here it is. It's a prayer list. And I saw my mom's prayer list one time, Michelle, here on the top of it. You ready? My heathen son, Steve. <laughs> That's my mom. Okay. That's my mom. She's a heathen son. Then I found out about intercessors and intercessors. You know what an intercessor is? People like really pray and really believe that God's going to answer their prayers. And so I found out about it because my, my, my mom would have intercessors. 
praying for me throughout the church. Now, let me just help everybody. I had to go to church as a kid. There was no option. I cannot even relate to any of you as parents that say, well, I don't want to make Johnny go to church or make him go to church. He may grow up and hate God. Let me help you. He does hate God. That's why he doesn't want to go to church. Make him go to church. That's where he meets God. I'm sure you won't have me back for a parenting seminar. But anyway, so that's a whole nother topic. So my mom, I had to go to church, all right? She goes, you ain't going to church. If you don't go, I'm not giving you lunch money. I'm open, I told her. I'm open. I'd sit on the back of the church, the back, back pew of the church, had this long blonde hair, all right, in my face, shaved on one side with a braided, this is gross, a, a braided black rat tail, kind of, kind of flock of seagulls. And I ran, I ran so far away. Anybody? Come on. 1983, 84-ish. So, so, so there was the intercessor and the most powerful intercessor church. Her name was Miss Alvarez. She's from Chile. She's about five foot. Her, her two daughters, one my age, another one older, she prayed for me. She goes, girls, we pray. We pray for the little heathen boy. Because my, my mom, every week, she says, we, we pray for him. We, we come, 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 come. We pray for him. And they go, oh, we stretch our hands out. We pray for him. He needs Jesus. She get right by me. I'm telling you. She get, she get, ooh, we pray. And get right to me. And I'd seem like, oh, here they come, you know. And so she'd get, ooh, and she'd get that. She'd go, ooh, demons out, Jesus in. Demons. <laughs> it's like another level. You know what I'm talking about? Demons. Finally, I was a freshman at Tulane University, and I played football. I was, gonna, I was actually walking on the football team. I lived at home my first semester. And my parents told me, you live at home in college, you're still going to church. I'm like, you can't do that. Well, move out. All right, I'm going. And I got saved in October 26th at a Bible study. And I tell you, the, the, listen, this sounds hokey maybe, but the sky really was blue and the grass really was greener. And, let me, and I tell people this all the time. Please hear me. If you have a spirit-filled, Bible-believing mom that prays for you, listen to me. And if you're away from God, please, give up. <laughs> Let me tell you why. You'll never enjoy your sin. You have friends. Yeah, man, it's awesome. We're out there. Yeah, they'll have fun. You won't because you'll turn and you'll see God's face in your mom's. Ah! I'm serious. So I gave my heart to Christ. And when I gave my heart to Christ, listen to me. Let me tell you what happened. Two things. So powerful. Number one, here's what I believe biblically, that when you give your heart to Christ, God, the Holy Spirit goes, and your spirit, he breathes, the spirit of God comes to live on. The Bible says our body is a temple of the spirit of God. And the spirit of God, and you become born again spiritually. But the second thing that happens is, watch this. I believe that God goes, and he breathes his dream into your heart. I want to talk to you today about, watch this, the process. Everybody say process. The process of how that moment, how does that dream come to pass? I want to use an Old Testament character by the name of Abram, who later becomes Abraham. If you have your Bible, Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12, I'm going to ask you to open up. And I want to look at Abram in the Old Testament, whose name is changed to Abraham. If you're taking notes, the process of a dream. The process, Genesis chapter 12. Here we go. Three verses. Number one. Now the Lord said to Abram, get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house to a land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. That's, that's huge. Two, 
I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing, Abram. And I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, this is big, and in you, all the families of the earth shall be what? Say it, blessed. God called Abram, whose later name is changed to Abraham, out of the land of the Ur of the Chaldeans. He was a polytheist, which basically means poly is the Latin word for many. He worshiped many gods. We're monotheistic, monotheism, belief in God. We believe in one God. And, and so Abram, is, is, he's dwelling in this land and he's on this journey and, he's, and, and he's, he's a worshiper of many gods. And one day God calls him, watch this, into covenant relationship with him. Here it is. God brings him into relationship. He begins that journey. But the second thing that God does is he does this. It's so powerful. He goes, and he blows his dream. I'm going to make you a father of many nations. So this dream came into Abram's heart. Now Abram had this dream. The challenge was his wife was 65 and he was 75. And they were past the age of childbirth. Now I know immediately some of, the, some of you guys, Bible theologian people say, wait, pastor, time out. Didn't people in the Bible live to like 900 years? Yes, before the flood. Methuselah lived 965 years. Noah lived 900 years. But if you read your Bible after Genesis 6, after the flood, God himself says, I'm going to cut man's life short to 120 years. Did you know, did you guys see that in the paper two months ago? The person in Paris who was 114 that died? And the life expectancy is rising. So we're not talking about something that's totally disconnected, chronologically speaking. So she was 65, he was 75, they're past the age of childbearing. But the biggest thing was, the Bible says that she was barren in her womb. How is it that God's going to make you a father of many nations, Abram? How's this going to happen? And yet, your wife is barren. People ask me all the time as a pastor, I know they do as well, you pastor Chris, you know, i got this thing in my heart, pastor, I want to know, how do I know if this is, if this is like a God dream or a good dream. In other words, how do I know if this is a God idea or just a good idea? I don't have time to unpack that whole thing. And I know pastors taught a lot on dreams and visions and believe in God. But I'm going to give you one undeniable characteristic. One of the ways that you can really tell if the thing in your heart is a God dream versus a good dream, just a good idea, is the weight, watch this, the weight of that dream is so big, it actually pushes you to a point of dependency and prayer. In other words, you actually need God's help to accomplish God's dream. See, if you can accomplish it in your own strength, it's great, nice thing, but a true bona fide God dream, listen to me, here, listen, it's impossible with man, but it's possible with God. I want everybody to say this, say, God is, God is. the dream giver. The dream giver. It's interesting, when uh, I was a junior in college, uh, I have a degree and I studied a, uh, called rhetoric which means nothing. And I don't mean to say that. I, I didn't even know what my degree was. It's rhetoric. It means I got increasingly confused because it's, a degree, it, it's all about asking questions. And, and it was really a pre-law degree. My dad's an attorney and, um, and my brother-in-law's an attorney, my other brother-in-law's an attorney. And so somebody asked me one time, Did attorney, do, is there lawyers that go to heaven? I said, I don't know. I think six will make it. I'll tell you if your name's on the list after church. The reality is, is sure they'll go to heaven. There's some, and so and, and so I, I was studying to 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 go and 
this kind of law degree type thing, pre-law. And so, so I, I got my mom and my dad. I said, I want to talk to you. I'm a junior. I'm going to finish college, but I'm not taking the law school entrance exam. For those of you lawyers, it's in the LSAT, right? Law school, that's, that's what it is. So I sat down and I said, don't worry. I'm going to finish college. I'm at Tulane University. I'm going to finish. But I'm not going to law school. I'm not going to be an attorney. I, I, I'm... I, I, God is putting a dream in my heart, mom, dad, to be a preacher. Now, a dream is not just something at nighttime. It's something during the day as well where you see a picture of a preferable future. That's the dream of God. You see a blink of something that God wants you to be, something that God wants you to do, to achieve, to accomplish. The dream of God. i never forget when I told my mom that. She went, preacher. Oh, my God. My son is going to be so poor. Oh, my God. She told me that. Now, remember, that's, the, that's what she, she, she's now crying about that. Remember, she prayed for me for seven years to get saved. I guess I got too saved. I don't know how. I, but God was putting, everybody say, God is, God is. the dream giver. Now, number two, after God puts that dream, remember, we're in a process here. God's in a process. After God places that dream, now watch this, number two, delays are always inevitable. Always inevitable. I have an older brother, his uh, name is Keith. He's a great older brother, he's a brilliant guy. And uh, he, he, you know, an older brother's role in life is to try to mentor and teach the younger brother. He still try, he's, tries to give me life lessons. He's a, he's a colonel in the army. He's an MBA, CPA. The guy is a brilliant guy. I'm not even, I'm, my mom used to tell me, you got a good personality, Steve. I, I, <laughs> praise God. You know, at least I got something. And so, and so the guy is just smart as hell. And he actually still, when I was 30 years old, starting the church, he was still trying to get me to join the National Guard. I mean, he's always trying to tell me stuff, mentor me, help me. And so we were, when I was the first, the night before I went to kindergarten, he, he, he we were laying in bed and he's got one bed. We, we shared a room. We had two twin beds. Pastor Chris, he's, he's up all night, and he, he would be reading Hardy Boys books. Do y'all remember Hardy, anybody? And the boxcar twins, you know. And, and he'd be like, you know, when you learn how to read, Steve, you'll be like me. And you can read Hardy Boys books. I'm like, oh, man, that's awesome. Ooh, Keith, I'm excited. So here's what he told me. I have something to share with you. What's that? He goes, tomorrow you will go to kindergarten. You're going to learn how to read in kindergarten. I'm like, oh, man, we're going to learn how to read. This is so exciting. Woo! Come back, first day of kindergarten. I am absolutely devastated, crying. I'm just up. My mom goes, honey, what's wrong with you? Steve, what's wrong? And I said, mama, <laughs> Keith told me last night, when I went to kindergarten, mama, I was going to learn how to read. Mama, I went today. I didn't learn how to read. I didn't learn how to read, mama. She goes, honey, it's not the first day. I thought, oh, now, that's funny, but that's like a lot of Christians. God breathes a dream into your heart to do something, to achieve something, to become something. And you go, Jesus, you got to 530 today. <laughs> Everybody say, delays are always inevitable. Watch this. I'm bringing you right through the story. Genesis chapter 16. So God speaks to Abram. He puts this big dream in his heart. Now the Bible says, now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. And she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. 
So Sarah said to Abram, see now the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. The problem was God said it was Abram and Sarai that would have the promised child. It was in that union, not this union. And Abram heeded the voice of Sarai. Then Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar to her maid, an Egyptian gave her to the husband to be his wife. And Abram had dwelt 10 years. Everybody say 10 years. It's been 10 years, Jesus. It's a long time. God, I know you put this dream in my heart, but Lord, this, this isn't funny anymore. I mean, after a year, I was still believing strong. I still knew it was God. The second year, I, I was really in faith, man. I, God, I, I still believe. I knew you put that dream in my heart to be married and have children or start that business and go back to school. I know, but Lord, it's, it's, Lord, it's year three. I'm still strong in faith. Lord, it's year four. I'm starting to wonder. It's year five, God, and I'm, I'm really... I'm really getting nervous. It's year six, Jesus, and I'm not even sure if that was you to begin with. It's year seven. I don't see anything, God. I'm not even sure if you care about me, God. It's year eight, God. It's in this phase. It's massive spiritual warfare in your brain. Ten years in the land of Canaan. So he went into Hagar, and she conceived, and when she saw that she conceived, her mistress became despised in our eyes. How many of you would be honest enough to say that God has placed something in your heart and it's taken longer for it to come to pass than you had anticipated on the front end? Would you raise your hand? If you didn't raise your hand, we're going to be confessing sin, lying after church up. The fact is, delays are always inevitable. God had put a dream in his heart to be a father and Sarah to be a mother, and yet it was not one year, not two years, not three. I'll never forget when a girl in our church came up to me, and she, she told me, she goes, Pastor, I got to talk to you. I'm like, whoo, what, what are you okay? She goes, I am so sick and tired of going to weddings for my friends. I'm not going to one more wedding unless I'm wearing that dress. I got to tell you, I could, feel, I could feel that pain that was coming out of her. Because it's during that time the devil really starts lying to you, doesn't he? Yeah, where's your God now? Yeah, where's your God? If God is good, right? And God is so big and God is so powerful. Where's your God? And, and it seems like life is passing by and people are passing by and their dreams are coming to pass. But what about your dream? And you serve Christ and you're sold out to God and you're living holy before God. Where is your dream coming to pass? It's during those times when we really, really have to guard our minds. The fact of the matter is, is that Abram and Sarah had taken, watch this, matters into their own hands. They decided that they were going to help the Lord out. I never forget, I graduated in 1991 from uh, college, and then I went to Bible school. I actually went to seminary after Bible school, and there's a lot of pressure in Bible school of what you are going to do. It's just a two-year Bible school, so in the, in the fourth semester, last semester, and people start asking, I'll be honest, they say, you know, where are you going? You know, where are you going to preach? Where are you going to go, you know, see the world change for God? You know, and people would ask me, and I, I you know, I didn't really have a lot of direction at the time, and and so this friend, actually, and I'm not trying to be hokey or silly, but people would actually make business cards. 
This one guy had apostle to the world. Apostle? I didn't like know they were making those anymore. This dude's serious. I missed the class in school. How are you an apostle? Another guy, prophet to France. Prophet to France. Is it apostle? It's a prophet. I'm non-profit. I'm just, I'm just, I'm thinking, how is, I, nobody's asking me nowhere. Pastor, there's no opportunity. Nobody's inviting me anywhere. You know, I'm not preaching in view of a call anywhere. So I went back to New Orleans. My associate pastor, the associate pastor of the church, he was also the singles pastor, he said, Steve, listen, our church doesn't have any money to hire you, but we have an upstairs apartment. My wife and I will rent it to you and you can work in the ministry and and um, you can go back to seminary if you want to do that. You, 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 but I would like for you to get a job during the day waiting tables. You wait tables during the day so you can be available to kind of do small groups and help people. And, and, it, uh, and he charged me. He charged me living in his upstairs apartment for me to build his ministry. That's what pastors do. But anyway, so I'm just joking. I'm just teasing. I'm, I can say that. I can say it. I'm just playing. Um, so, so that's what I'm doing. Serving the Lord. So now I'm waiting tables at a restaurant called Semolina's. I'm shucking pasta for Jesus. That's what I'm doing. But I got a dream in my heart, Pastor, that I know is from God. I went through Bible school. I finished college. I went through Bible school. Now I'm working, waiting tables. And I tell you, that's the time when, by the way, you know, people that are around you, that love me, I'm going to say this very respectfully. I love my parents. They love God. They're going to heaven. My grandma just died, 99 years old, Cajun woman, spoke French till she was 21 years old, didn't speak English. And somebody said, why'd your grandma live so long? She's the bossiest woman. I say this respectfully because Jesus did not want to be told what to do. He, he waited till the last moment. I said, right, bring her up, guys. Get her up here. I mean, she caught, listen, she cut the grass till 93 with an electric lawnmower. It's just, so my mom is in that seed. I mean, seriously, my mom was real strong. She's like, Steve, I'm waiting table. She'd come, you know, in there. My heart was going, when are you going to get a real job? <laughs> mom, I got this dream. I have a dream too, but I have a job. <laughs> so I had these friends of mine sit down at the table. I hadn't seen him in three years. Remember, I graduated college in 1991. It's 93, going, you know, towards 94. And they sit at my table. And one guy who was a dear friend of mine when I got saved, his dad was a senior vice president, American Express, very powerful guy. He had red hair and a red beard. He was a third-year student, going into third-year medical school, I think at Vanderbilt University. And, and I, know what the, I knew what was going to happen. All right, I, I knew. And so I saw them. They're looking down. I said, I don't want to wait on them. I can't do that. So I went into the kitchen and said, can anybody wait on them? I just tell you, I just don't feel good. And I just kind of feel sick. They say, Pastor, were you telling the truth, kind of? And I just, I just, I just, and, and it's no. And I said, oh, God, I got to wait on these people. I got to wait That was the longest walk. I was like, gosh. I was like, and I get to the table, I got my little apron on. There's nothing wrong with being a waiter, okay? But that wasn't what I was trained to be. Are you with me? I, I felt like this is dream in my heart, this dream from God. But I was in the delay phase. I looked down, I said, hey, um, can I get y'all something to drink? And he, I never forgot, he looked up at me, Pastor. He goes, bright red hair, red beard. Cannot, I will never forget this face. And he looked up, he goes, 
Steve, dude, what are you doing here, man? Didn't you like go off and become some sort of a priest? A priest. How do you tell a guy he's not a Christian? He doesn't have a biblical worldview. He doesn't know Christ. The Holy Spirit's not in his heart. He's not passed from death to life. He's, he's, he's a heathen. How do you tell him? Oh, brother. No, no, you don't understand. In God's sovereignty, God has me here. He's building character in me. I'm growing in Jesus. Look at the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. Can you see them? They don't understand that stuff. I'll never forget, man. I, I walked back that day to my car. I was crying. I just cried. And, and the reason why is because I was embarrassed because I thought my life would be further along. Can I, can I be honest saying that? I, I, and that's where some of you are right now. You're in. Everybody say God is, God is. the dream giver. Dream. Say delays are, delays are. Always, always, always inevitable. I get to the car. I got my hands on the car. And I just like Jesus. And I'm just crying and crying. I said, God. And the Holy Spirit just started speaking to me. And I remember saying, Pastor, I said, God, if I got to do this the rest of my life, I'm going to do it with a good attitude. I'm going to honor you. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to serve you with all I've got. And I'm telling you something. There wasn't like the Star Spangled Banner, Rockets Red Glare. Nothing, nothing happened on the outside. But I'm going to tell you, something broke in my heart that day. Something happened. Let me say this. Why is there a delay phase? I don't have time to unpack the whole thing. But I'll tell you one reason why I believe there's a delay phase for us. Because it's in that delay phase God's building the character of Jesus on the inside of us. So that we can, so that we can sustain the very thing that God wants to do through us. Hebrews 6.12 says, do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith. Everybody say faith. faith. We like that. Step out. Believe big. That's part of it but it's only 50%. It's through faith and what? Say it. Patience. God is building you, sir. Listen to me, ma'am. God's building the character of Christ on the inside of you so that when you do have your own business, if that's God's dream, or when you do get married, or when you do have children, or when you do start whatever it is, that you'll have the character of Christ. I heard a preacher say one day, God is never late. And I'd like to add, he's never early either. Truth be known, he tends towards the late, Pastor, just to be honest. Uh, I'm just being honest. All right, everybody say, God is, God is. the dream giver. Dream giver. Delays, are Delays are always inevitable. Let me give this third and final thing. Y'all learn anything? It's like three people. Come on, are y'all learn anything or not? Is this helping anybody? All right, here we go. Here we go. Last one. Come on. Here we go. God's timing, it's perfect. It's perfect. Genesis chapter 21, here we go. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. By the way, this is 25 years. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and born Abraham a son in his old age. Comma right there, after this comma, right here, there's four words, one Two, three. I want us to say them as a church at all the campuses. I want to say those four words out loud. Are y'all with me? Say yes. yes. All right, here we go. All right, are y'all are you ready? After the comma. One, two, three. At the set time. Pastor, do you believe that God has a set time for this dream to come to pass? Absolutely. Absolutely. 
You've got to believe that at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son who, bore, who, who was born to him, and Sarah born to them Isaac, meaning laughter. There was a child born. Then Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, and God had commanded. There was a child that came forth. There was, there was joy. How many know when, when, this, when this dream, this dream that God puts here, when it finally comes to pass, doesn't it bring such great joy? When it's done God's way, when we don't flesh it, when we don't try to make it happen in our own strength, but we wait upon the Lord and do what God's called us to do in the delay phase, I'll answer this one question and then I'll close. Pastor, then what am I supposed to do? What do I do when I'm in that delay phase? What do I do until I'm waiting, watch this, for my set time? 1993, I'm waiting tables, Semolina's restaurant. I'm living upstairs in the apartment, pastor, his wife. I did enroll in seminary, but I was, I was ready to go. I was ready to preach. And my pastor comes to me and says, Steve, he said, listen, God's given me a dream, a vision. Remember what a dream is. And we're not talking about just nighttime dreams. It could happen there, but it's an open vision during the day where you see a preferable picture of your future, of what God wants you to be, do, and build. He says, I saw this picture of me speaking at East Jefferson High School with a thousand kids. And then afterwards, I'm, I, I started these, these uh, I start a club. I want to start this club called Success in Life. He got it from Zig Ziglar. And I want to bring him through some, some curriculum of positive choices. We'll bring God into it. We can do that. It's a volunteer club. I said, wow, that's, that's, that's awesome. So we did it. Thousand kids. And the first week, he added on a Tuesday, five kids showed up. Following week, four kids showed up. Following week, three kids showed up. He comes to me, he says, Steve, this October 93, he says, Steve, I'll just be honest. He goes, I know this is God. I know it's a dream that God put in my heart, but I don't feel like I can pull it off. I don't feel like I'm the person. Would you take this? I want you to take this and run with it. I said, Pastor, I'll do what you say, but I'll be honest. I really don't, I don't like high school kids. <laughs> is that crazy? I said, this was pride, but I said, I see myself more intellectual than that. I'm just crazy, pride. But I said, if you want me to do it. And I said, can I change it, do anything I want? He said, you can change it, do anything you want. So I said, okay, good. So I immediately moved it to lunchtime. We went up to 100 kids within one week because the kids didn't want to stay after school, but they wanted to eat pizza. I raised money from, from business people in the community. I had pizza for them. And I had 100 kids at the end of the month. Then I opened up another school. That was East Jefferson High School. Then Bonneville High School. Then Grace King High School. Then Riverdale High School. At the end of the year, we had 400 kids coming uh, just in a five, six-month period of time. Hearing about Christ, kids getting saved. And then another year, we went, got more schools and more schools and more schools. If you Google today, next-gen clubs, there is 5,000 kids that are in the greater New Orleans area and 47 campus clubs that will be starting in three weeks. There's 7,000 kids in Baton Rouge and campus clubs, 1,000 in Hammond, 2,000 in the Mississippi. There's 15,000 kids, listen to me, that are in campus clubs, many, many of which are getting saved. Why? Because I simply served God's dream in the heart of another person. That's it. Wasn't even my dream. I'm answering the question, what do you do until your set time comes? 1999, I go to my senior pastor and said, Pastor, I feel like God's put in my heart to start a church. I don't know where to go. He says, well, start praying about it. You and your wife go around the country. Went to Houston, Texas. Went to New York. We went to Florida. He says, I think you should go across the lake to the North Shore to a city called Mandeville. I had a church there once. It folded. But the main elder, Dr. Greg Muley, approached me. They're looking for a young pastor to start a church. I think you need to do it. It's God's will. 
Pastor, if you feel strongly about it, I'll do it. But I'll be honest, I don't even like Mandeville. <laughs> Has anybody seen a pattern here? I started on Saturday night in a Presbyterian church. Thank God for the Presbyterian. It was God's providential will. Any Presbyterians, you know exactly what I'm talking about. 19 people. Within one year, we had 347 people. Pastor, I walked onto the stage. I didn't hear an audible voice, but I heard the Holy Spirit. Michelle, you know how God, you, God will speak to you. I heard God that you are now walking into my dream that I have for your life. Listen to me closely. Listen to me. What do you do while you're waiting for your set time? When you're in that delay phase, serve another man, another woman's dream. Serve the dream that God's put in somebody else's heart while you're waiting for yours to come to pass. Listen to me. You're a single person. You're waiting to get married. Listen, be the best single person you can be. Be the best servant you can be. You're waiting to have children. Be the best aunt you can be. Be the best uncle you can be. Serve in the children's ministry. You're waiting to start your own business. Listen, be the best employee that you can be. Serve. You want to start a church one day? Serve the dream of God that God has placed in this couple's heart. Be the best that you can be serving the dream of another person. Luke 16, be faithful with which is another man, and then God will give you your own. God will do it. You with me? God will do it. I want everybody to say, God is the dream giver. Say, delays are always inevitable. Say this. Say, God has a set time for the dream in my heart to come to pass. Let me pray. Everybody's heads bowed, if you would. Father, we thank you for your spirit here. We thank you for the grace of God upon Faith Promise Church, your spirit drawing people to you, Jesus. If you're in this place today, you do not know Christ. You're not sure about your relationship with Jesus. You're not sure if you die today that you're ready to stand before God. I want to pray with you. I promise you we're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to do anything here at Faith Promise, but we simply want to give you an opportunity to respond to Jesus, the Savior. Do you know Christ? The Bible says whoever calls, whoever calls upon the name of Jesus shall be saved. You don't become a Christian by being a member of the church. I can't save you. Faith promise can't save you. Pastor Chris can't save you. Jesus saves. We must lift our voice and say, Jesus, save me. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart. I surrender my life to you. It's Jesus who saves. Do you know that you know that your sins have been forgiven? Do you know that you know if you stood before God today that you're right with God? In just a moment, everyone on the campus, if you say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Jesus. I'm not at peace with God. You know who you are. The Holy Spirit's been dealing with your heart the last 35 minutes, and you're ready to surrender to God. If that's you, you need the blood of Christ to wash you, to cleanse you, to make you new. The count of three, will you just lift up your hand at every one of the campuses, please? The Holy Spirit's moving on your heart. Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. If that's you, one, two, three, quickly, everyone on this place, just raise your hand so I can see it. God bless you right there. God bless you. God bless you, sir. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you and you and you as well. God bless you, sir. The Holy Spirit's moving. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you. Anybody else? Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. God bless you, sir, right there. I need Jesus. God bless you, sir, right there. I need Christ to wash me, to cleanse me. With everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed. Church, let's pray with those. This is the most important decision we can ever make, the decision to trust Christ as our Savior. Let's pray together with them. Can we, church, say, dear Jesus, I come to you today, a sinner, in need of a savior. Say this, say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I let go of my past and I turn to you. I turn to the cross. Say this, say, Jesus, wash me with your blood. Give me a new heart. 
a new life, a new reason to live. Now say this, say, Jesus, I take my life and I put it in your hands. From this day forward, I belong to you. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit and the word of the living God taking root deep in the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, give me 30 more seconds. Just look up here, just, just 30 more seconds. If you prayed and trusted Christ, just listen, one of three things. There's a card, I think, behind your chair. You can fill that out. They've got altar workers up here. You can give it to them. Number two, on the way out, the next step room. Is that right, Pastor? Or number three, if you want to place it in the offertory, I know they want to send you a letter. How many of y'all are grateful that God is working on each one of us? Y'all grateful? We love you guys. Thank you, Pastor. God bless you guys. Awesome.